Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sean Payne, and this is the Housing Signal podcast brought to you by Live Explore. I'm Isaiah Chass, and today we're going to dig into the probate and trust sale process. Yep, we're going to talk about uh, choosing the right real estate agent uh, and what qualities to look for that way. Uh, so let's jump right into it. So, um, uh, our previous podcast on probates, we talked about my experience, and uh, I'm going to hound on that again right from the beginning. That 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 probate and trust sales uh, are a little bit different, and so I I really think it's important to have uh, an agent with specific experience uh, in dealing with probate and trust sales. Um, because there's a, a variety of things that can come up in those sales that uh, that you have prepared for. So yeah, a lot of nuances, especially uh, things that can extend the process being much longer than traditional sale where a lot of people might not uh, be under the impression that it will take longer. Right. Right. Yeah. It can, it can blow up. Uh, uh, so yeah, that, um, and then also, uh, you know, uh, again, because uh, uh, the uh, administrator or trustee's uh, knowledge of a property can be very limited, uh, you're going into it really not knowing a lot about a property. So, uh, you know, this is where that experience comes into play, where um, you have to be a little bit of a Sherlock Holmes and trying to figure out, like, what's going on with the property. And by that, I mean, like, uh, you know, like... Uh, that may make some agents cringe, but like, you know, when you're going through the preliminary title report, I think you just, you need to go through it like with a little bit closer eye, like really look at the, um, the easements. You're trying to gather as much information as possible because you don't have an owner that's going to give you the intimate knowledge and you really don't want to get caught off guard through, uh, the buyer's due diligence that way. I mean, obviously they, they, they often and very well should extend their due diligence and go be very thorough that way. But, uh, you know, usually that's the condition of the home, things of that nature. Um, you know, you never want to be caught off guard with a certain easement you didn't know about, especially if it was just right on the prelim right there. Right. Um, you know, something of that nature. So, uh, I do think like really, um, you know, going through the natural hazard report and, uh, and then, um, just do, doing like a really deep dive into the property's tax history. Uh, again, I know this is going to make some people cringe, uh, especially attorneys, but I just don't know how you can approach these sales without looking at the permit history and things of that nature uh, of uh, of the home to gather some idea of what what was going on that way, uh, especially if you're kind of looking for like a health and safety issue of the property or like often, often these properties have a lot of deferred maintenance. So you're tr trying to figure out what's going on here. You know, if it's a country property, doesn't have a septic, you know, uh, things right. of that nature. Uh, what's the well like, you know, uh, how deep's the well? Um, so if you're trying to find any information like that um, before um, you go to market, because like, let's say if you, if let's say you don't have like a viable water source, you have a well, um, you know, but it's, but it's uh, a shallow well and, and uh, goes dry in the summer, that's going to affect the value. And, and ideally, like those are the type of things that you try to figure out um, beforehand that way to, to head things off. So. Right. And almost always, uh, if, if, uh, if a buyer does, well, I should say almost always a buyer will do their investigation. Uh, and, and if there are no reports or inspections done or, and on file, a lot of times something will come up and it's better to hedge, head that off from the bat and let them know the condition of it rather than them coming down. Uh, I know some agents will probably see a property with, with no reports and say, Oh, great. 
now I can tell my client that we're going to come in and have a report and be able to negotiate further. Um, that, that's the really probably one of the best case scenarios. The worst case scenario is that they're going to cancel and then you're back on the market right. dealing with it right. uh, again. So it is important to have um, specialized reports, and that includes a, a home inspection. It could include a structural pest report, as you mentioned, uh, wells. So that's a well report or a septic inspection. Uh, and that uh, covers the the full situation of uh, of the property to a, a reasonable level that a buyer can rely on. Right. Obviously, they should and uh, are encouraged to do their further inspections, but it gives them a good idea from right. the start. Uh, and then also uh, wildfire. Uh, you know, we live in an area that there is further uh, regulation in place for wildfire disclosures. But I mean, you, you could talk about how uh, how these reports are changing and, and being added. I mean, even recently, there's been a new provision right. for the natural hazard disclosure. Yeah, uh, this is like this is a moving target, right? Uh, uh, there is a new uh, uh, wild wildfire report um, that the California Association of Realtors sh thinks should be standard. Oh, excuse me. There are third comp uh, party companies like Madronas that we had on the uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago that uh, does a little bit, bit more in depth report. So uh, the industry is trying to try to figure things out. Um, but uh, yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. That's something really important to look through. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And then on top of that, just uh, purely a, an agent visual inspection, just uh, prior to even showing to so make sure that there's anything on the property that uh, could injure someone walking around that will be a whole nother headache if you know someone walks onto a deck and then uh the deck fails right right yeah i mean i, I think like uh you know all of those kind of go together uh i've heard some you know horror stories of um gosh i can't remember uh, years ago uh, an agent walked out to a property and I think there was an old hand dug well oh, and, and they fell into it and like broke their leg. So like those type of things, you want to make sure that like, you know, you want to walk the property thoroughly, make sure there's nothing like that going on. If there's a, a board in the backyard over something like lift it up and see what's what's going on over there. So yes, you want to do a thorough inspection. Um, you know, along with the report, you want to make sure that like oh, handrails are safe and things of that nature because no one's going to tell you, hey, that's loose. And then all of a sudden right. someone goes out there and grabs it and falls over that way. Um, you know, that can affect the estate and someone come back and can sue the estate and, and no one wants that. So that's why, like, I think it's very important to, yeah, just go through everything and, and, and make sure just, just take your time and do a little bit more due diligence that way. You know, especially like when you're walking the property, the same thing, like if you see, um, often there's a lot of deferred maintenance, there's trees overhanging on a property. You may again, want to look at, like, go back into the wildfires. You may want to say, Hey, look, we need to trim these back. Um, uh, there potentially could be insurability issues, you know, and that's going to affect uh, the potential to sell the property. So those are the things that you just have to kind of address up front because um, they're going to come back and bite you at some point. Uh, you just want to, it's just better to do it before he goes into contract that way. Right. So. And a lot of times it can be hard to, I mean, say there's a, a, a tree branch that needs to get trimmed or, or further maintenance. Sometimes it might not be in the estate's best uh best interest to put a lot of money into the property to fix it up or do repairs, but sometimes it needs to be done. Our uh, probate and trust division is able to help cover those costs, uh, help with the funding to yes. uh, get that process rolling. Yes, we have a, a, a couple programs uh, that can help the estate cover those costs and then they get reimbursed um, at close of escrow. And again, that's something that like, uh, as we real, real estate professionals, that, that's where it's good to have someone experienced, especially in this market, this crazy market. Um, 
because uh, you want to be able to look at things and say, hey, we should have this done up front. Um, oops, this is not going to allow the property to be financed. We're really close to be able to like, you know, maybe there's one issue that's just kind of the eyesore that's not going to allow the property to be financed. Let's head that off to open it up to a bigger pool of buyers, which will drive up your price. So yes, it's, those are the type of things that you want to look at that way. And so. on the flip side, sometimes it's, it, it takes someone experienced to make that decision of not over-improving. It's so easy to, to start with, okay, let's do carpet. And then, but, but where does it stop? At some point it's, it takes experience with this to understand, okay, maybe yes. it's not worth doing any of this, right? Just safety issues, uh, maybe it's a broken window, just replacing the window so that it's able to be financed, but not going overkill with improvements that really aren't going to have a significant rate of return. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so often, you know, you, you said it really well. Yeah. I mean, so often it's hard to define that line, but uh, often these are properties that have deferred maintenance or might be a little bit outdated that way. And so where do you start and where do you stop? Um, and yeah, that's just a, a conversation you have to figure out. And often, uh, you know, just making the, the property, often these properties are going to be remodeled anyway, uh, or, or highly updated, uh, either by an investor or whoever buys the property. So it's just not, uh, you're just not going to get the rate of return that way. And, and so, I mean, and talking on that note, talking about like communication, um, uh, that's just something a, as the agent that, that uh, you know, you have to communicate that with uh, all parties. And by that, I mean, you know, the listing side that you're representing, you have to let everyone know uh, uh, what's going on that way. Um, uh, and uh, you have to have like a, 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 there often can be many beneficiaries. So, uh, uh, Sometimes there can be like 10, 12, I think at one time I had 17 um, beneficiaries. And so um, you have to be able to communicate with everyone what exactly is going on that way. Uh, so um, on, on that side, as well as understanding the process and uh, whether it is, you know, a, a probate or trust, the timelines can be very different. Uh, we talked about in the last podcast how the, the, the heirs or trustees are noticed. Um, and so often, you know, uh, again, I, I've, I've seen it done many ways, but some, uh, many, most of the attorneys that I've worked with want to wait until all contingencies have been removed. And that's when the heirs or beneficiaries uh, 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 are noticed. And uh, that's usually, you know, I've, I don't know what the the legal time frame is, is. I know it's it varies between in-state and out-of-state, but let's say it's like 18, 20 days. So again, you want to let everyone know, hey, this is what's going on. And, and uh, you know, a conversation often is, uh, wait, you haven't noticed them yet? No, we're not going to notice them until, uh, you know, after contingencies have been removed. That's not always the case. I have been, you know, certain cases, um, attorneys are like, no, we're going to notice them right now. Uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, that's where you rely on your attorney and not like your realtor for that type of advice mm -hmm. that way. Right. So, but, but it's, yeah, it's very important to... Um, to uh, to communicate that way. That's why we've developed an advisory form here to spell out those dates and kind of explain the process as much as possible. So when the other side goes, wait, what 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 do you mean? It's like, but here's the form that you signed. You didn't read this right here. So just like an extra layer to hopefully keep everyone on the same page. So you know, and I would say here's here's probably the most important part is that uh, this field's changing, but it used to be very hard. It used to be like. Um, <clears throat> 
I would say it was a lot of attorneys that didn't like technology. So when you're working in the state and planning, uh, you know, it was just like it was a slower process that way. And it was harder to communicate with estate planning attorneys. Now, I think the world sped up and everyone's expected to communicate quicker and, and use email in that in that way. And that's where I think this this uh, this uh, process has gotten better, because I think through email and just just the estate planning side, be willing to use email and modic communications makes things easier. So right, you mentioned that there can be a lot of beneficiaries involved, and everyone's if there's fifteen different or ten different, even five different beneficiaries, everyone might have different expectations as well. So it's it's so important making sure that everyone is all on the same page from the start throughout the process. Yes, everyone will have different expectations, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, through the entire process. Like if you have beneficiaries that are local to the sale, um, I've always found that like, you know, if you're if you're out of state, well, this, this real estate must be worth $5 million because everything in California is gold, right? right? Like, so, <laughs> totally. so if you're selling like a, you know, a, a property that needs work and they're like, wait a second, We've heard that all real estate, and you're like, well, not everything. So, you know, those are the expectations that that you get. And, like, you know, every market's kind of function a little bit differently that way. So, but, yes, it's really important to keep everyone on the same page. Absolutely. Yep. Well, if anyone has any questions, please do reach out. This is a a complex field. Uh, Take someone that definitely has experience and knowledge within it. Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, if you have any other questions, you know, I would uh, go check out protrustsales.com. That is our website for our probate and trust division. Um, whether it's, you know, a, a commercial sale, residential sale, land sale, um, you know, we have experience in, in, in those fields that way. So, and, and there's a lot of really good information um, there, a lot of great blogs and, and just about, about the process. So, absolutely. Great. Well, uh, if you like this content, please hit like and subscribe for, uh, for more content in the future. See you guys next time. Welcome to the Live Explorer podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe.